Welcome to Dogma and Devotion, the podcast that sheds light on the beauty and truth of the Catholic faith. We discuss a wide range of topics from the viewpoints of two complementary vocations of the Church. I'm Ashley, here with Father Dupre, and on today's episode, we're reflecting on the Gospel for the sixth Sunday of Ordinary Time, Year B. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. A leper came to Jesus, and kneeling down, begged him, and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I do will it, be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then, warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I think when we're looking at this gospel, the first thing that's really hard to miss is that we once again hear Jesus warning someone sternly not to tell of the good news, which kind of seems counterintuitive to what we know as Catholics we should be doing. So there's this idea of the messianic secret and what that means, like why is he hiding himself? So first reason obviously probably the most would be to just avoid sensationalism because you're healing these people and their immediate healings they're not like healings they've ever seen before um, both because it's physical and spiritual with the forgiveness of sin and you know I think you can start seeing a lot of rumors forming and um, things spreading and then you sort of separate the saving message from just like a physical healing. So then he just becomes like a glorified doctor, Mm. but you lose the soul healing. Um, And then there's the expectation that, my goodness, if you have a power like this, then they're going to want you in the military. The politics are going to want you (laughs) because, you know, it's like, what can't you do if you can raise someone from the dead? Super soldier. Super soldiers. And then um, the, the other thing, sorry, is that his, he's not ready. Like it's not his time yet. And we even see it at the the wedding at Cana. But here, these are, you know, people that he doesn't owe obedience to, like he does his mother. And so it if it's too soon, then he can't carry out the work that he needs to do before that allotted time for his passion. Yes. Those are all like just kind of obvious things that you can logically fairly deduce that do not go against what we should believe about why Jesus warns him sternly. It's like, hey, look, I did this favor. Can you just just keep it on the down low? No, it's it's serious. The tone is very serious here about this messianic secret. Okay, then warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. Like, you know, don't make a fuss. This is this is kind of over and done. And the only instruction was go show yourself to the priest. I think about how there's sort of like this, um, the word is like subdued obedience in Christ. I imagine him and it's again, a not a sensational kind of personality characteristic. Um, 
his kind of piety, right? What should you do? Well, you should go and give glory to God for this good work done. And so he's thinking as one of you know Jewish faith. He was he was raised in the temple. He was raised by Jews. But go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. He he's doing things in that way, you know, and it's just kind of something to connect with for for someone who's trying to encounter Christ but doesn't need the flash. <laughs> Right? Doesn't need a big personality to reveal something about God, but has connected with God and stayed faithful to God through many humble acts of obedience. And I just, I just kind of like this dimension of Christ's demeanor in this. This is so rich as all Scripture is to see these kind of different sides of Christ. Um, and so another meaning that that comes to me is. Okay, in his omniscience, did he know? <laughs> you know, he warns him sternly, so why even ask him? Mm-hmm. If he knew, he would not keep the secret. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. So did Jesus will this, right? <laughs> and and I like to not kind of go down that 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 rabbit hole because let's maintain it. There is the will of man and there is the will of God. I think we are going to kind of go forward maintaining that distinction. Can God use man's uh, willing as an instrument to give him glory? Sure he can. Um, But, you know, was it Jesus's will that this man would have just directly disobeyed everything he (laughs) warned him not to do? Um, Yes. Uh, Did he use it? Yes. Was that his original intention? Again, I feel a lot more peace with him being just a good and obedient Jew here. I really think that's who he is. See that you tell no one anything, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. This is the one who we just saw was presented by very humble and obedient parents for the Feast of the Presentation, right? Obedience was instilled in him, in his human nature, in the way that he was a religious human being, you know? And I think his will was to have this man respond in kind (laughs) and keep the secret, you know? I really do. Mm -hmm. And anyways, there's so many ways to look at this um, that is always the adventure, you know, returning to, to scripture passages, you know, the Lord will relate something differently and tie it together. Um, There's no way I would have kept that secret. <laughs> I would have like been like, do I look different to you? <laughs> See any leprosy? Yeah. Nope. Guess Th- what happened? You're right. Throw him some bait. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do you notice my skin looks different? Yeah. What'd you think about that? <laughs> and uh, so the, the, the messianic secret, I, I like to look at it, you know, more deeply. Um, Yes, there was a way, like, do not kind of get in the way of my passion. Um, my time has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. Jesus' first revelation of his miraculous power, the wedding feast at Cana, that uh, Ashley alluded to. Yeah, that's really good, you know, to, to kind of see that meaning of the Messianic secret in, in alongside that other miraculous demonstration of his power, which could not have been kept secret. Right. That was on full display, but the way he speaks to Mary, my hour has not yet come. 
So is there meaning here? Yeah. For what, though? His time has not yet come, and then there's sort of a dread, because we know his hour always refers to his passion and death. His time is only about suffering. No, let's take it in the context of this very passage we have for this Sunday. No, it's more. It's to unleash more healing upon the world through the offering of his life. Why would he go from working miracles, healing people, to saying, you know what, let's close that spigot because I, I don't want them to only come for miracles. No, he was already genu- generously offering himself and his power to raise up fallen mankind. The hour is also in line with the work he has been doing to reveal the kingdom. He is going to give not just healing gifts, but to give us his very life. Right, And this goes to that deeper understanding of being drawn into mystical union with Christ through the sacramental life of the church. And so from, I've seen beautiful Catholic artwork, I always talk about this with Ashley's beautiful uh, etchings, this, this black and white, very simple, but very intelligible and very beautiful um, Benziger images, I call them, is this Catholic publishing company that, you know, a hundred or so years ago did the, these beautiful images and they, they're still in use and they're thankfully like public domain and I used to use them as letterhead and all this. But there's this one image of Christ who is in this kind of pieta pose laying in the lap of Mary and from the open wound, the artist shows this vine and branching off from this vine, just going straight up, is the are the seven sacraments. You that. know, and so from his hour... He's offering grace. And what does grace do? Always the three properties that are essential to grace, heal, elevate, and sanctify. It's not grace if it's not healing. So what are we receiving as Catholics in the sacramental life of the church? Healing, healing, okay? So he's, he's wanting to not be held back from offering more, not simply just to suffer and end it all. But to carry it on. Yeah, that the I mean, when you think of the crucifixion and all the artwork that comes from it, like he's not scabbed over. Like the blood's just always flowing for that healing. And I, I thought about it too. Um, I had like the image of confession right at the beginning of this uh, passage, where it says, "Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him." And I just thought, like in the confessional, when you guys stretch out your hands mm-hmm. for absolution, it's in the right. Yeah, do it. Lift and, up your right hand. And like you alluded to Moses's law earlier, like what is Jesus doing in this gospel? He's bringing him back into liturgical life. Which, if you look at the first reading, the um, the leper was kicked out of liturgical life. You know, amazing tie-in. Amazing tie-in. Right there is this, and this is gosh, it's just. Uh, applies to so many things with with yeah how do you do healing ministry well keeping in this image here of confession how do we heal someone's illness of soul we do it privately discreetly we don't put them on display uh, to tie in this first reading for this sunday right yeah, you shall go out and dis- declare yourself unclean, unclean, so that everybody can run and hide from you and treat you like a monster, right? 
and know what has Christ brought in. Well, he's brought in exactly what you see in every Roman Catholic church parish. You see us coming in with leprosy of soul, and you do not have to declare yourself unclean. All you have to do is very privately, discreetly, with respect for yourself and respect for God's work, enter that confessional alone in privacy. And the Lord brings you, very well stated, back into his life. And again, not just to participate at Mass and sing the songs. No, it's back being grafted onto the vine. We are the branches. That branch had been shriveled up through leprosy, the leprosy of sin. And the Lord, again, without adding shame to the guilt, the shame is, is the devil's work. You know, guilt is just that kind of natural consequence to kind of cue you in. I'm a, I'm not where I should be. And so it's just a safe way to kind of help you to follow your, your true north, your compass back. And so, yeah, th- this is, that's what's going on here with healing is to bring us back into life with Christ. And then once healed, we go out for that like true evangelization, which is, you know, like our healing witness can be a catalyst for someone else's healing. And, you know, the hope is there. That's a church. It's the community. We, we do it at the beginning of mass. I confess to you, my brothers and sisters, like we bring it out in front of everybody to show what God's done for us. Amen. And so why would Christ stop the evangelization, right? Going back to why does he not feel betrayed, mm-hmm. right? By this man being healed of leprosy, going out and immediately disclosing the whole matter, right? I mean, he tells, publicizing the whole matter. What Jesus says, that's, that's what happens. That's what happens. This is going to, when you've been touched by Christ, you have necessarily been healed, you have been met with a gladness, you know, uh, of soul, and it's it's something that is diffusive of itself. It's going to animate you to want to talk about it. Um, this is another image that, that came to me um, when preparing this and talking about the Messianic secret. And I think about a beautiful, very simple liturgical action we see at Mass, and this is during the preparation of the altar during the offertory. And what you usually see is uh, an altar server, a deacon, will bring up a veiled chalice. And that veil that's over the chalice is usually matching, right? The vestments that the priest and the deacon are wearing, the, the outer chasuble for the priest, the dalmatic for the deacon. And it has a very, very a beautiful and noble purpose. We veil that cup, that chalice, so that we can understand what it will hold better, right? We hide it even just for a moment before it holds the very price of our redemption. And so Holy Mother Church says, I don't want you to see this vessel as holding anything ordinary. Well, that's an image of Christ, I don't want you to mistake his divinity for mere humanity. And so Christ veils himself so that we're not mistaken about his power present to us. Yeah, I love that veil imagery. It's like the most precious things are always veiled. Like um, nuns consecrated themselves to God, brides are veiled. Love that. 
So we are also looking at our last Sunday before entering the holy season of Lent. This is one of the two what we call strong seasons in the liturgical year, which again, this is, this is a big theme for us, uh, dogma and devotion, is to enter more deeply uh, into the liturgical life of the church. And so it's, it's very important to anticipate and yeah, prepare, make some preparations, uh, you know, a week out, a few days out um, to enter it better, just as you should, you know, turn down the radio if you can, try to observe some sacred silence before you enter into the mass, right? And so we're doing this before, a, a, you know, a long stretch of preparing again for another movement that keeps us in step with the life of Christ, uh, which of course will be the Paschal season and celebrating the resurrection. And it's, it's a great time to, to kind of focus ourselves on what it's about. And I think about how there are some who are going to just immediately go towards saying, okay, what do I need to suffer for Lent? Okay. What do I need to go without? What do I need to strip away from my life so that I'm just going to participate in Jesus. I'm going to be a good follower of Christ and suffer like him. That language is pretty acceptable right there. Okay. And I would say what Holy Mother Church is really always moving us to do is, is plain to see in that when you enter the church, the greatest focal point is not your suffering. She doesn't have you look in a mirror when you walk into the church. She has you look at the sufferings that really do the good work in our souls. She has you fixing your eyes as a believer in Christ on the sufferings of our Savior. And that is the meditation of all those who eventually do become canonized saints, the most heroic of us all who say we follow Christ and really try to unite ourselves to him. They focus on what he has done for us. There's, there's no foundation and to, to apply this to these remaining days before the start of this holy season of Lent, which we know is going to end there with the passion of Christ, his suffering and death. Yet there is no way to get closer to him without first beholding who we call the pierced one and contemplating his wounds and what they mean to us. That's what generates the love and the desire and the piety. Mm, love it. So you set us up for a really good closing prayer with that. All right, here we go. And this is called the Anima Christi, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within your wounds, hide me. Permit me not to be separated from you. From the wicked foe, defend me. At the hour of my death, call me and bid me to come to you, that with your saints I may praise you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We'll return for our next episode with the Gospel for Ash Wednesday. <laughs>